Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder. Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to the Husker Cuscast Sports Show. This is Justin, joined with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. Tyler, you uh, missed last episode. How have you been? Oh, I've been doing good. Uh, yeah, we had a bunch of family in town, so I didn't get a chance to sit here and recoup a signing day with y'all. So glad to be here tonight. You missed an elite episode, Tyler. Very elite episode. Tyler's favorite word is elite, so make sure you let him know how elite he is. No, it, it is good to be back. You know, the thing is, is there's a lot of people in the nation that drinks Kool-Aid, and you two might drink more Kool-Aid than any of them right now. So I'm excited to have your optimism right run off on me. So I tell you what, I, I, I think I think you're misunderstanding. It's been renamed to Rule Aid. You know, after the last five years, hearing anybody tell me that I'm drinking too much Kool-Aid just sounds so freaking weird. <laughs> it really it, does. It sounds weird saying it. Yeah, yeah. What is going on? So we got a great episode planned for tonight. Uh, it looks like the uh, coaching staff has been wrapped up. There's been a, a couple more hires. Uh, we're going to talk about three of them that we haven't talked about uh, in previous episodes or with our collaboration with the Generation Red Pod. So if you're not checking out their live streams and their podcast, go subscribe and check them out. Uh, We'll be doing a lot more collaborations with the Generation Red Podcast, so looking forward to that. Uh, We're also going to rank these assistant coaches now that the staff has uh, been uh, completed, as it appears right now. Uh, Talk about a couple new recruits that have been added to... The team since uh, the last time we did our signing day episode, with, with which was just me and Derek. <clears throat> we'll talk about some playoff expansion discussion. That's always a fun. We've been wanting to do that for a while. Uh, finally get that. And uh, finally we'll make a national championship, championship pick. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, there's three new hires uh, that uh, have come aboard uh, recently. Uh the first one I'll talk about is uh, Bob Wager. He is the high school coach from Arlington Martin. Uh, he, he'll be coaching the tight ends and assisting uh, special teams. Uh, big, big name in the high school world here in Texas. Uh, Derek, what are your thoughts on this hire? 
I, I honestly love this hire. This is one of I think this to me is one of uh, Matt Rule's better hires. I think. Uh, it, it, look, who knows recruiting better than a high school coach? Like these guys, especially a guy that's running with the Under Armour game. How uh, he's I know he's been had a big part of that game for quite a few years now. Last ten. And he, and, and and then uh, coaching there in Texas, where you're dealing with four and five stars a lot in high school, like he knows what these kids are looking for. Uh, he also brings that connection from Texas, so I mean that's always a big thing. I, I I think this is a good. I think it's a really good hire. I really do. Tanner, what did you think when you heard that <clears throat> Matt Rule was adding Bob Wager? Well, I think what's really interesting about him is you know there's been a lot of speculation over the last. Oh, called almost 15 years now, that we've really lost our ties with Texas recruiting. Um, that was criticism under early from criticism under Riley, um, that we really didn't recruit Texas well. I mean, this is a big step to go back and recruit Texas. If you look at some of our early 2024 offers, we have a couple high, high recruits out of that Texas community that we're going after. And, you know, hopefully those connections kind of play through. Um I'm with you, Derek. I th- I'm really intrigued by this. Uh, for people that don't know, this is a pa- definition of a paid-down-the-back-of-the-book because he hired three high school coaches when he went down to Baylor. Um, I think this was a very strategic hire. Um, it, one of the more, I don't know if I would say the one the ones I'm most excited about, but probably as fascinating of a hire as we have on this roster. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Just uh, so, what he brings. Uh with the recruiting aspect, like Derek was saying, that's something needed. So, Justin, a question for you. Down in Texas, you know, like, you, when you hear these guys' resume, you kind of like, oh, that's a really good high school resume. Did you know him before this announcement? Or was it like, oh, I know that school? <clears throat> no. Uh, the school, yes, but not the name. Did not know the it's, name. How many high school football coaches in Texas do you know outside of Waco? All of them. So, so this is that. Oh, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel so good about this Bob Wager hire anymore. <laughs> All of them except 30, Bob. I know 38 coaches in Texas, and Bob was not one of the names. No, I mean, the coaches by name, no. Just know the schools and the rep, uh, you know, the reputation of those schools. And this was a good one right there. Uh, so let's get on to uh, – Another head or another assistant coach that was just recently hired. Uh, this was kind of a package deal that happened just a couple of days ago. Uh, Rob Dvoracek and Garrett McGuire, both each of these guys are coming from the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk about Rob first. He's going to be coaching the linebackers. Uh, he was a defensive assistant at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, before that, he spent two years at Lehigh as the defensive ends and outside linebackers coach. And uh, before that, he spent two years as a defensive quality control uh, guy at uh, at Baylor. So uh, he was a player under Matt Rule uh, at Temple. Tyler, w- what did you think of this hire? Well, a little bit more. Pu- well, I don't want to say positive. I mean, these are the, the positive is he was a coach that would remain on the Panther staff. I mean, there was a lot of turnover when Matt Rule left. A lot of coaches were fired. He was one of the ones that was decided to be kept. Um, so he must have been doing something right. If you look at what the Panthers have done in the last few weeks, they've definitely turned it on. Um, I mean, 
probably going to hear the theme of these both of these guys very inexperienced but um, I'm, I'm definitely he has that youthful drive and excitement that Matt Rule clearly has been looking for yeah just 28 years old I believe uh Derek your thoughts on Rob Dvorak well who would have thought that it before we did this all, that I would be praising the experience of our linebackers coach over our wide receivers coach. Yeah. That was a shocker. Uh, I, I Again, I'll give him a chance, I, but he doesn't excite me a whole lot. I, I, don't, I don't know enough about him. We'll get him on the recruiting trail and start seeing what he does there. Maybe, maybe it'll come around a little bit more. But right, right now, he's just kind of, okay, we hired him. Yeah. I, 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 I'm the same. This is uh, a little bit of a, not puzzling because this is a name that's been floated out there for quite some time. So it's not a big surprise that. Well, I uh, think we even talked about him on uh, Generation the Gen Red, Red Pod. Yeah. yeah. So this name has been out there, but now it's official. So uh, we will see. But the third guy, Garrett McGuire, the 23-year-old wide receiver coach, uh He's been with the Carolina Panthers the last two years. The first year, he was a coaching assistant, and this past year, he was an offensive assistant. Uh, as we all know, he, he was a backup quarterback at Baylor, walk-on. Uh, Derek, your thoughts on this hire? I, I, again, uh, I'll give him time, but right now it's hard to be excited about this hire because – he he brings nothing to the table right now, or at least not as far as experience goes. We don't know what he's going to be as a recruiter. Uh, the one thing about it is he's young, so you'll think you think he can communicate well with the kids, and so uh, so he brings that to the table. And he's been working in the NFL for a couple of years, so he's kind of got that to fall out, fall back on as far as his recruiting goes. Uh, but we don't know what development's going to be like under him. We don't know, just really don't know much about him. Yeah. Tyler, your thoughts on Garrett McGuire? Well, I mean, I think one thing that you kind of um, look at is the kind of the pedigree um, he's come from. Um, his dad is obviously a well-known coach, Matt Rule, and now is the head coach at Texas Tech. Um, so, you know, you could say coaching is, is his blood. Um, you know, you know, you, you look at him, he joined the Panthers staff at age 21 like he was barely able to crack a beer in charlotte and was able to be a coach i i always kind of thought like you know if, if i ever have kids maybe instead of getting them into playing football i get them into coaching football and it's kind of the path that this kid has taken like he was never a star player but he's been coaching for quite a few years now um i don't know it'll be interesting to see what happens with this hire? You know, there's been a lot of these coaches that we've talked about experience, you know, power five experience. Uh, they don't have it. They don't yeah. have it. And there's a lot of guys now that don't even have FBS experience. And, uh, and one guy that has no collegiate experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's whatever Matt rule is doing, you know, he, there's a method to his madness, but it's hard to just, you know, buy in blind, uh, you know, have that blind faith. I was like, yeah, this is some great stuff going on. Well, when Matt Rule was hired, 
like, so I was really optimistic about the staff he'd bring in. Because if you look what he did at, you know, Baylor, he brought a lot of coaches he had at Temple with him. And then he made some really, really interesting strategic hires, specifically the high school coaches. And I kind of thought, man, he would bring some of his old staff with him. Little did I know it wouldn't be the Baylor staff. It was going to be the Panther staff. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, I was, I, I immediately looked up who was on his coaching staff at Baylor, like for guys we'd hire. And there was a lot of names when I saw that. I was like, man, those would be some really good gifts. Absolutely. And I knew we wouldn't get them all, but I was like, man, if we could pull in half of that Baylor staff and make a few strategic hires. Yeah. I, I did not expect him to go this way, but he's coached with them. He knows them. Um, and I, tr- I do trust rule. Like I, I, I think he's a smart guy. He sees something in these guys. I don't think he hired him just to be nice. I, I, he's seen something in them. But I got a question for you guys, and I, and I truly don't know the answer to this. Uh, so he's hired two high school coaches here in Nebraska. One's going to be an analyst, and the other one's going to be a position coach. Mm-hmm. Were all three of his high school coach hires at Baylor? Were they? Were they? Were a couple of them analysts? Or were they all three position coaches? I think they were all position coaches. Were they? Okay. I was just curious. I didn't know what he did there. I mean, I knew Joey McGuire was a position coach. I mean, I knew that. But... And Sean Bell was also. Okay. I, I, I don't remember either. Uh, no, but that's the – those are the coaches here. Uh, I mean, it, it's not – it's nothing that we thought we would see with a $7 million uh, – Salary cap or coach's pool, right? I mean, I would, when these salaries start rolling out, that that is going to be like because what what is going to be really hard for Nebraska fans, or what's going to be really hard for me is when I start comparing who we hired last cycle and how much we paid them, and what I'm expecting these salaries to roll out. Bill Bush was paid 400k. Um, Applewhite was paid in the 50 range, I think. Like so, we hired these guys that had Power Five experience that were really like established collegiate coaches, and I'm like, that seems like we something we could have afforded this time. Well, I mean, to to build on that, if you want to compare the last staff to this staff, right? And if you salaries is one thing, compare salaries, but if you look at the resumes side by side, and if you think like going from uh, p- positions from the coordinators all the way down to this wide receiver coach side by side all of these guys where did we on paper where did we improve with any of these the hires on uh on coach rule staff right uh forget offensive coordinator but you know if you're looking at DC. wide receiver yeah wide receiver probably a drop back uh running back drop uh drop down tight end maybe a step back there, offensive line, step back. Because <laughs> we brought him back. That's a joke, Tyler. Thank you for okay. laughing. I'm, I'm, uh, just waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm just waiting until you get the second biggest drop back. Special teams, Bill Bush? Well, no. I don't, I don't think – I think that's a wash right there. I mean, that's I'll – pro- I'll, I'll probably be the only guy that sits here and says I think one of our biggest uh, drop-offs is going to be offensive coordinator. I'm not. I mean, like, are you talking? I, I'm not. I'm not saying Whipple was a great offensive coordinator, 
man, I just I don't know how sold I am on on Marcus Satterfield. I, I, I'm really I I'm, not. I'm definitely higher on Satterfield than you are. I, I think that you know. I'm I, just and, and, and look, I'm just basing it off of his numbers from Temple and South Carolina. That's I, I don't know that he can't do better here, but just based off of where he ranked, running the ball, passing the ball, scoring, it just he never ranked high in any of those categories. See and. So one thing I look at with like a guy like Satterfield, and 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 this is one of the things I value about power five, is there's something about like going through process at a power five school that I just think is different than a group of five, and something that's just different than being an NFL assistant. I just think the way you have to recruit, the way you have to retain players, just the the expectations and managing the noise from the fans, I just think it is a different breed and. Even if it wasn't a home run at your previous stop, I think that experience matters. Um, oh, I, I agree with you there. I just, I, again, the experience is great, but the numbers aren't there. Can't ignore how he ended twenty twenty two. That's fair, and so, but but his whole season was off the premise of those two games. You know, what, one of the games that we love to play. Uh, on this podcast is better, same, or worse. As you're looking at these coaches, like what we're placing, what we're bringing in, like where did we get better? To- Tony Defensive. White. Tony yeah. White. Is- Tony I- White. That's the uh, unanimous. Is there any other place that is an obvious better? Can I ask a question on Tony White? Right, right now, I don't think so. Okay, so put yourself back in the in January of 2022. Would, how much where Tony White is today versus what you thought Shenander was in January 2022? We were a lot higher on Eric back then. Sure. Would you still say it's an upgrade? Yeah. And I'll answer it. I, I, I think Tony White's resume, even where I thought Shenander was a year ago, I, I still think that is clearly an upgrade. Well, because even in, under Shenander, even his best defenses were average, yes, mediocre defenses. Yeah, I mean they looked good, and you could say they kept us in some games. I don't want to just completely downgrade what he did, but well, that's why we thought Eric Shenander was doing a good job because he did enough to keep us in games. I mean that's well, it, he, he, that and he that and he improved every year he was here yeah. until this year. Yeah, yeah. But like all the other positions, is there anywhere else that we get uh, that somebody would get a better offensive line? Offensive line, he's got to get better. He can't get worse. Another year of experience. He's got he's got some Big Ten experience, and, <laughs> and we're, I know we're going to talk more about these coaches, and so we might as well get into kind of the excitement meter. Yeah, let's go ahead and rank these. We'll do it in uh, two different uh, go throughs, I guess. Uh, we'll go one through five, and then six through ten. Uh, Tyler, go ahead, give us your top five assistant okay, coaches. Best. Of- and I'll be clear, we are not making them from best to worst. I don't think any of us are prepared to say someone's a bad hire or deep worse hire. This is kind of like an excitement meter um, from what we have on them. Um, but my number one is Tony White. Um, we've talked about him a little bit already. His resume is great. Um, I'll kind of just hit the names if we can hit some bullet points after that. But number two, Evan Cooper. Number three, number four, Donnie Rayola. And number five, Ed Foley. You had Ed Foley in your top five. I'm shocked, Tyler. (laughs) 
Japanese? Probably. Would I have liked to have seen some Power 5 experience? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, overall, looking at his resume, it is definitely deep. I think Ed... I, I almost want to get this out of the way right now. My problem with this staff as a whole is not any individual hire. It's the sum of them. Like, yeah. who are... I mean, if Ed Foley was on the staff, I'd be fine with him. I have no problem with any individual hire. It's just the sum of that. He, he just really hates that he had to put Ed Foley in his top five. I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, I do hate it a little bit. I, I wish... <laughs> Should finish like seventh or eighth in my excitement meter. All right, uh, Derek, your top five. All right, well, I'll agree with you on Tony White. I think that'd probably be all three of our picks there. Uh, I, I went number two, Ed Foley, dude. I I love the I love the guy. I know Tyler's just glaring at me right now. Uh, he's had great special teams, but he he brings more to the table than just that. I mean, he's coached tight ends, he's coached offensive line. He's he's done things he can help out in other areas if he has to, so I so I like that he brings that to the table. Uh, Evan Cooper's number three. I, I like Evan Cooper. Uh, I got Terrence Knight at number four. I, I love him. What this guy's bringing to the table, recruiting wise. I was really skeptical on him when we hired him, but man, that guy's ninety ninth in the country and sixteenth in the Big Ten in recruiter rankings. I mean, he has done something very solid. And Evan Cooper's 88th and 14th in the Big Ten. So, I mean, those two guys just recruiting-wise have just impressed the hell out of me. Just in one month, uh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's been a very short time. And then number five, I went with Bob Wager because I, I think he's going to bring a lot to the table again when it comes to recruiting. Okay. Uh, I have Tony White as my number one. Yeah, easy number one. Number two, Evan Cooper. I like I like him for the reasons you guys have. Uh, he's experienced as a DB coach and great recruiter. My number three is Ed Foley. I love what Ed Foley does, man. Uh, he's put some great numbers, special teams at Temple, I mean, and I think it's going to continue here at Nebraska. Let me just add this, too, about Ed Foley. How exciting is it going to be to have special teams to root for? Yeah, and not, not dread. Not dread when yeah. they get on the field. And it was better under Bush. It, it was, was a lot better under Bush. Very much I'm not, so. I'm not saying that. But for the past five years, we've had nothing to root for special teams-wise. So just just having another special teams guy in here is just going to make things so much better, I think. Well, especially anyway, with this track record uh, on the retur- in the return game, whether it's punt returns or kickoff returns, he's producing lots of TDs, you know, year in, year out. Uh, I'd love to see that come back to Nebraska because there was a time – not too long ago for us old fucks, but uh, that, you know, having a good solid punt returner was just a given. You're going to have a good punt returner just like you were going to have a good kicker. You're in, you're out. And uh, I think Ed Foley can get us back there. So he's my number three. My number four is uh, I went with Marcus Satterfield uh, just because uh, I'm excited to see a an offense. I mean... I don't, shit, I don't even know how to explain this. I guess there's kind of a drop-off here once we get to this level. So he just was my uh, number four. But my five is Terrence Knighton. He was a guy that was uh, very low on mine based off experience. But what he's done on the recruiting trail, I think he's going to be uh, become a shooting star here at Nebraska. 
players are loving him. They're buying into him. And uh, so uh, jury's still out on him as a coach on field right now. But uh, I think he's uh, he has the right trajectory as coach at Nebraska. Okay, let's do the bottom uh, five, Tyler. Yeah, my number six is a guy you guys have both mentioned, Paris Knighton, um, very much for the same reasons. Um, I like his energy. I like what he brings. He has, he has a little bit more pro experience than any of the other assistants that haven't, so that's kind of means something. He's obviously hit the ground strong recruiting-wise. Um, probably unfair to a, a couple of these other guys, too, because he's gotten a head start on him, so you don't know what Bob's going to do or what Garrett's going to do, but I know what I know right now, and that uh, number seven, EJ Barthel. Um, coming from UConn, not, not exactly known for great running backs, um, but again, has been here, has started getting the fold a little bit, gets them a little bit higher. Um, number eight, Bob. Bob Wager. Um, kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, but um, his Texas background is intriguing to me. I'm interested there. I'm also interested to see if, what he'll bring in the special teams room. Um he complained for years we didn't have a special team. Now we have two. So hopefully he'll be able to keep Ed in track and uh, be able to compete and help the special teams because I think Bob is going to be the driving force in that room. Um, number <laughs> – There's that Ed Foley hate, Derek. I don't hate – Ed Ed Foley my top five. I'm kidding. You guys just love Ed. Um, number, not, uh, number nine, I'm going to go with Rob uh, Dvorak. Um, Dvorak. 28 years – is it ha- coming in? Ah, you butcher some of Voracek. Voracek? There you go. Voracek. Um, Deirdre? Is it? That's not a skateboarder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, he, again, I said this at the beginning. You know, he made it through the Panthers. The defense was good in Carolina. He was obviously a contributor there. They felt strongly enough that he was adding value that they kept mm-hmm. him through the coaching chain. And then number 10, just mainly because of the the lack of experience. Um, is Garrett McGuire. Um, I, I am optimistic a little bit. And also, to be honest, it's something that works against him, and maybe Ed Foley a little bit too, is the replacement factor. Going from Mickey Joseph to a really unknown person, is it's gonna that that is as big of a drop-off in position coaches as we probably have seen. Um, and, and again, and maybe it's so good he's inexperienced that he's going to come in with a lot of and hopefully win these guys over. But, yeah, um, that kind of rolls out my top. Uh, Who is your number eight? Who is your number eight, Tyler? Bob. Okay, okay. Sorry, I, I just didn't hear you, I guess. Uh, okay, for number six, I got Marcus Satisfield. Uh, I, I, I don't hate the guy. I just, again, I'm basing it all off numbers, and I, that's all I have to go off of. He, he's fine. I think he'll be. I think he'll do fine. I, I'm excited to see a little more power to run game. Which I think he'll bring back. Uh, number seven, I went with EJ Barthol as well, and then number eight, I went with Donovan. I there's just too much from last year. I mean, he can get better. I believe that, but right now, all I have to base him off of is what he did last year, and we know what that was, and it wasn't great. Uh, Rob Dvorak, I got at nine and ten. I got uh, Garrett McGuire. And look. They, Tyler, you talked about going from uh, MJ to Garrett McGuire, and to me, it's more than that. It's not. It's not just that we're going from Mickey to 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 him. 
it's the fact that we thought we had Joe Daly in the bag or we thought we had uh, Frisman Jackson on in the bag. And it seemed like, okay, we got these two guys. And both those guys had good experience. And then <laughs> all of a sudden you hear this name and you're Googling the shit out of him trying to figure out who he is. And then you realize he's 23, so he's not old, apparently not old enough to have a Wikipedia page. Yeah. Google's like, did you mean Garrett's somebody else? It's like, did no, you mean Garrett Joe, McGuire. Did you, did you mean Joey McGuire? <laughs> exactly. That's what Google said. Uh, my bottom five is similar to yours, Derek, obviously. here, uh, My number six is uh, Bob Wager. Uh, you know, no FBS experience, but... What he brings to the table in the recruiting aspect, I'm excited for. And, you know, just coaching tight ends. I mean, how freaking hard can that be, right? <laughs> uh, number seven, running back uh, EJ Bar- uh, running back coach EJ Barthel. Uh, I think he's got a high ceiling, very high ceiling from uh, the things that have been said about him at UConn. So um, I am excited to see him, but just a li- limited sample size. Number eight is uh, Donovan Rayola. He's getting a second year, and, you know, I, I know some people are cutting him some slack, you know, saying that there's improvement. But as I look at this improvement, you know, it's it's like being measured in inches, you know, kind of like the same way with Scott Frost in his fourth year going three and nine. People are saying that there's, like, improvement because, you know, he lost nine games by eight points or less. I mean, you're measuring in inches. You're not seeing drastic improvement there. So same thing there with Donovan Rayola. And uh, the two newest guys, uh, light on the uh, coaching experience, uh, position coaching experience. So uh, Rob Dvorak at nine and then uh, Garrett McGuire at 10. And who knows, you know, if we do this exercise next year, these are going to shape up a lot differently. Uh, Absolutely. And look, Garrett McGuire and, and Rob Dvorak could get on the recruiting trail and just tear it up. And, you know, we could turn around and fall in love with these guys. Yeah. See some but, good production out of the receivers and linebackers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right right now, we just have nothing to base it off of. So, so it seems like the biggest difference is Rayola. I, I had him fourth. You guys had him, I think, both eighth. Eighth, yeah. Eighth, yeah. So – you know, you guys talked about what Terrence has done recruiting and Cooper's done recruiting. I think we got to give some a little bit of flowers to Rayola because yeah, absolutely, he, he's, he's 136 in the country, 24th in the Big Ten. Yeah, he's really turned it up a little bit on the recruiting trail. Like, I don't want to point out his nephew because I think that's really just unfair to him and really unfair to. Him. But that's got to be in the back of your mind that the number one player in the country is his nephew, and we. I know his. it wasn't great last year. I know there was times it wasn't. But one, it is experience to build off of. Um, and that, that is really necessary. Two, um, like, he was not set up to succeed last year. Not, not only with what he had in that room when he got there, but you talk about the injuries that occurred, talk about the offensive philosophy and the changing from week to week and not really knowing. I mean, it just – he wasn't set up to succeed the most last year. And, and, and I guess my third thing is, and this is something, Derek, you have harped on, so I apologize for taking your take here, but, like, he convinced Scott Frost and Matt Rule that he is a good coach. Like, and Matt Rule, you've heard him just harp on offensive line. I don't think, like, he would trust 
and 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 Rule well, said it. He he also lost New Ely last year. Yeah. And that wasn't the injury; that was just stupidity. But whatever. I mean, you lost him before the season even started. You lost Prohaska early in the season. I he he was dealt a pretty shitty hand. I'll give you that. And and again, Rule. And again, I don't know if I agree with Rule, but I'm trusting him. He said, I mean, he said flat out, the offensive line wasn't the problem. And take that for whatever it's worth. I had eyes. I thought the offensive line was part of the problem last year. Um, PFF, we talked about, though, like a lot of times we would rate guys higher than we thought. So maybe there's a lot of intangible stuff that the experts and Rule saw in the offensive line that was like, man, maybe it's not so bad. I have a little bit more faith in Donnie than you guys do. Obviously. And we'll see. I mean, he's, I mean, if we're... He's, a, he's, he's another guy that can jump this list very easily. I just, yeah. I, I want to see some improvement. And with him, I can't just go off, off recruiting. I got to go off of what I, what I also seen him do last year. Right. I, I, I can't uh, turn a blind eye to what we saw on that offensive line last year. <clears throat> he's like, I say, Hey, some experience is better than no experience. And you guys are like, well, I don't know anything about them. So let me go. Ed Foley is my number two, even though he has never played a power five game in his life. Yes, because I think what he did uh, consistently. I know what his numbers look like in in special teams. Yeah. And it was consistent. It wasn't a one-year wonder. It was consistently top 25 special teams Play. Like, yeah, but uh, but I mean, I mean, or Terrence, like you guys had both had Terrence, I think, in your top five. I'm like, and I, I mean, I, I think, like, hey, Rail has at least been in the fire. He at least has a little bit like, this is what I need to do different. He learned from mistakes. He has some ideas on this. He isn't going to be going in blind. So, and, and that's fair. And I moved Terrence Knighton solely based off of his recruiting, his recruiting, and his ability to come in in 30 days and get us the talent that he's gotten here. He shot up my list based off of that, convincing people to come here to play. Well, and the thing with Terrence, too, and, and this is kind of one of the things with recruiting rankings and coaches that I don't always love, but, I mean, you, you talk about guys that he got to come here, but whether he's the lead recruiter on all of them or not, our defensive line is arguably the room that we improved through the recruiting rankings this uh, oh yeah like he didn't get credit for I don't think he got credit for um, the Texas A&M kid I'm blanking on his name right now um, Elijah Judy oh Judy yeah Judy yeah. Um, and like I, I'm just you know he didn't get credit for him and all of a sudden he's one of our top transfers in um, I, I mean cheap borders Another guy who's a linebacker slash that obviously seems like he's going to be a pass rusher. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, so we added uh, two new recruits uh, this past week here. Uh, Ethan Nation, three-star cornerback out of Roswell, Georgia, and uh, Cameron Lenhart, four-star defensive end slash edge from IMG Academy. And, uh, you know, with the addition of those two guys – uh, we've moved up. Well, I think we were 26 in rivals before. We're still 26, fourth in the Big Ten, 24-7. We're up to 25 in the nation in recruiting, four in the Big Ten, and on three, you know, that damn dollar service. 
uh, 29th in their rankings and fifth in the Big Ten. Uh, so this staff has done an excellent job at uh, bringing in some quality kids, kids that they can trust, and uh, we're, we're moving up. I mean, I, I'm really pleased. Derek? And that, that Ethan Nation, I, I think, is an under-the-radar a bit of a guy. His his final five was like Alabama, Ohio State, Nebraska, and a couple others. I can't remember who they were. But it's like, I mean, when you start stealing guys from Alabama and Ohio State, that's pretty good. And I get he's a three-star, so probably wasn't going to play at those two schools anyway. But still pretty good to be, be able to steal guys from those schools. Oh, hell yeah. Tyler, uh, we didn't get your thoughts on recruiting much since you missed last episode. So, uh Talk to us about recruiting and your thoughts of what you've seen over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I guess I'll, let me start negative because I have a lot of positive things to say. I think a lot of people are, um, you know, we, we saw this under Scott Frost. We saw this under Mike Flaherty. In fact, the only coach that really didn't see a really good finish in their first year was Bo Pelini in recruiting. Um, so I don't want to make like, oh my God, this think they really did continue a trend that we've seen like i remember scott frost oh, oh what's going to happen with that recruiting class and he put it together mike riley did similar his first year um what so so that that i do want to kind of like whole expectation about how great of recruiters this staff is um on the positive front i mean the, the guys that we brought in this class it, i think there was a huge emphasis in the area that we needed it the most um, it was taking care of the state. I think they went in and getting Coleman from Nebraska, getting him to stick when Coach Prime was breathing down his neck. One of the best recruits Nebraska's seen was a huge win. And then you look at the other guys we brought in. Multiple defensive linemen. Our next defensive line, something we needed. Um, bringing in a couple big offensive linemen kind of bridging that gap in the trenches a little bit, where last year we only brought in one recruit in offensive line. I think the emphasis on this staff and what they did finish and really focus on the trenches was huge. And then fast forward, not beyond this class, looking at what they're starting to get crystal balls and get the momentum for 2024 is just phenomenal. Like There is more recruitment, recruiting excitement on 2024's class than last six, seven years in Nebraska. You have to go back to Friday Night Lights, Mike Riley's Mike Riley, heyday, yeah. heyday for as much excitement as there was in the class in that 2024. And and again, I think that's really would not have happened if they didn't bring these guys in. If they would have just missed on Coleman, I don't think these five stars, four stars would be looking. But I think there's a little bit more excitement in Lincoln than maybe even under the whole Frost tenure. Um, you think do you think Colorado shit that opportunity away when they uh, had some recruits pose with purses for pictures? I mean, I I, I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, it, would, it, would Malachi Coleman would he be at Colorado right now if it wasn't for purse pictures? No, I don't know if that's true or not. But what I do know is this: it was evident of the rankings that as soon as Coleman left Colorado, he was in uh, Nebraska. Like there wasn't like it seemed like there was like a oh could it go either way? It was like. The day he got back, it was like, yeah, there, he's going to commit to Nebraska. And then he obviously did. Um, and, and, and again, he's a guy right there. When we talk about instant contributors, like he is that guy. Like to me, he is a guy that next year, 
maybe won't start, but I fully expect him not the redshirt be in the mix. Um, well, well, sure, especially at his position. I mean, yeah. Wide, yeah. wide receiver is such an area of concern anyway. I mean, yes. I mean, the, the, that position, um, I, I did try to look at this a little bit differently. I mean, obviously, I kind of look at the rankings, the guys. Um, you know, getting Cameron Linhart was probably my second most exciting. But you, there probably isn't a lot of other guys I look at and say, man, they're going to play next year. Um, but if I had to pick out another guy, the guy we got yeah, um, yesterday, I guess, Ethan Nation. I do think Ethan Nation could be a guy that comes in and really starts to battle for that DB, especially if we're in a 3-3-5 three, 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 and we need to get five DBs on the field at the same time. I think he is that type of athlete. So haven't, essentially, haven't we been having five DBs anyway with Gifford and that nickel? And JoJo before him? Yeah, I mean, is is it going to be that much different? Instead of going from like a quasi 4-2-5 to 3-3-5? It's not going to be any different than... I don't, I don't necessarily field. need it to be t- a ton different. I just need it to be more effective. Yeah. That's fair on the defensive back side. I mean, I think that if you look at the way I'll, – I'll tell you, secondary is a unit I'm overall really, really excited for heading into 2023. Um, partially because I really like the coach we brought in. A lot of the guys who came back, I mean, I know we'll do this at some point, ranking the positions, but spoiler alert, secondary is going to be my top two. Um, I'm really excited about that. Um, but I do think right now you look at a couple injuries coming off of last year, um, Buford being one of them. Um, you don't know really where Tommy Hill is going to fit on this team at this point. I do think there's an opportunity to get another guy into that rotation. And I think Ethan Nation is a really prime candidate for a newcomer this year that could contribute there. I do have a question on the three three five. I, I've, I've asked a couple times. I don't think I've asked you guys because I've been waiting for the podcast to do that, but but guys like Jamari Butler, where do they fit in a three-three-five? Don't ask me. That's it's a great question. Like, uh, does he go? I, to- I, 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 I would assume that you're either going to tell him he needs to bulk up and move up to defensive line, or maybe shed a pound or two and play linebacker. I mean, I, it it depends just- on what depends on his body build, I guess. Because I, I, mean, I watched I, TCU run their three. And I was like trying to like put put guys on our roster in their roster, and 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 not that we needed to see a Jamari Butler on TCU, but I did not see a guy like that. That where I think his strength is is one on one pass rush, beat a guy down, um, and that that's what I th- I just I'll be interested to see. And Blake Gunderson probably fits in that same mold. He's a little bit bigger, so he might be able to easily more go into that DN spot, but. Hey, I, I, I'm going to add a recruit in there that could be an immediate impact there, Tyler. Okay. How about how about Ed Foley's recruit in Alvano? You think he could beat Bleak Road out? Because he wasn't the best of all kickers last year. I mean, he was he was good. Could have been better. I don't know. I mean, I <laughs> I, I I think Bleak Road was good last year. Um, I, I mean, I don't have his stats in front of me. You probably do, Derek. Um, I, I don't. I haven't really looked. I, I know he missed some field goals where it was like, geez, how did you miss that? Yeah, I mean. But but for the most part, he was fairly consistent. I, I think he's a good gift from Gretna. I mean, he's definitely a guy that, you know, from the Ashland community that, you know, a lot of people here are really high on playing, you know, 10 minutes down the road. 
obviously he had the great Class 8 state championship where he made the, whatever it was, a 52-yard field goal game winner, um, which is huge. Um, but no, I, I don't know. That, that's going to be an interesting makeup. I would be shocked. Uh, but, you know, we do need to shed some scholarships and not try to throw someone out. But if he does, maybe that's a position. I mean, you really need a junior backup kicker on scholarship at this point. Like, I don't know. The easiest position to shed right now is quarterback. Too many quarterbacks on the roster right now. Sure. I'm not disagreeing with you. I mean, but what is yeah, that but you don't want to lose. I don't think you want to lose more than one. I, yeah, to me, at least. You need to lose one. But is it two you want to lose at this point? At then least I, two. I mean, it, I think a lot depends if Rayola is coming. If he's not coming, I mean, I, losing two would be – I mean, if you need to bring a quarterback in next class if you lose two. Yeah. Like, that, there's no doubt about that. I mean, well, we, for tw- seven right now. And that's not even counting Jared Sinek. Uh, and he yeah, obviously – I mean, he's a really solid walk-on that for a third, fourth string guy, you're probably not uncomfortable in that role. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. You think they'd carry six scholarship quarterbacks? That sounds like a lot, man. A lot. Is it? Is that where we're at right now, seven? Seven. Casey Thompson, Logan Smothers, Harburg, Chubba Purdy, Torres, and the two that they're bringing in now. Who, who's the two? They only brought one in, Jeff Sims. Is it just – oh, okay, my bad. Okay, yeah, just six say, then. I, I was going to say, I could have sworn I looked at, the, look at the scholarship depth chart right now. Yeah, we're at six the, scholarship quarterbacks. We lose one, we're at yeah. five. Okay. Um, I stand corrected then. I – Thought we had it. Yeah, yeah, Casey, on, on three has us at six right now. And then you Whoops. have Casey Thompson, who's last year. Two guys, and Casey's not one of them. You're right. I was I was going off of seven. I thought we had another transfer. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think you want to lose two. You could you could definitely easily lose one. That's fine. I don't know which one it is. I, I'm not going to play the game of who I think it should be. Cause... I mean, it, it, you don't know, right? Like, I mean. I mean, let's play that game. I mean, like, I think the name that you, the two names I think that are probably the most hot, or, or let me throw three names at you, would be Harburg, Smothers, and Purdy. And I think a lot of people, like, if you're saying Purdy's the guy because he did it wow last year, and there's probably some fairness to that, but I, I, I don't think it's completely like, let's write the kid off because he had a couple bad games. I mean, he's still a sophomore in eligibility. Um, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough thing uh, when you look at those guys. It is. I I don't personally want to lose any of them, but we're going to have to lose one at least. It's one of those things you won't be excited when you leave, but you probably won't more than a lot. Yeah. I, I like Harburg. I know he's not a big guy that everybody likes, but I he's always had potential, and I'd like to see if, if maybe Rule can get a little more of his potential out. He's got the strong arm. It's just decision-making. Okay, uh, let's move on to Derek's favorite topic here, and it's playoff expansion. Derek loves this. Tyler hates it. So this is <laughs> going to be a fun segment here. Uh, Ty, or Derek, give us the uh, 
what the new plans are for the new playoff expansion to 12 teams. I, I do love this. I, I this is great. Uh, so the top six conference champions get an automatic bid. Uh, top rated, the top rated six conference champions. Sorry. Uh, and then the, then the next highest rated six teams will get in. Uh, the top four teams will get a bye, and then seeds five through eight will host a play a playoff game at home against the nine through twelve. Um, and then the quarterfinals and semifinals will be rotated between the New Year's Six bowls. Uh, same with the, the the championship game will be at a neutral site as well. Yeah, I just want to clarify the top four. Conference champions, they get the bye. Yes, yes. Yeah. Just want to clarify that. Sorry, Sorry. I, I may have uh, not made that very clear, but I, I, yes, that is right. Which could have uh, bit some teams in the ass this year. Well, actually, not bit some teams in the ass. It would have benefited <laughs> some, a couple of teams this year. Uh, so, But it would have it bit some other teams in the ass for not winning their championship. Yep. So, Derek, why, why do you love this expansion? Uh Look, every every sport that's out there has a real playoff, and there's even even the football. You go into every other division of football, they have a real playoff, and we've played bowl games in FBS for all these years, and we've relied on two to four teams to to bring us a champion, and it's just nice to see. You know, there's going to be a guaranteed uh, group of five team. In this playoff now. So you have that Cinderella team that's going to be guaranteed a spot. Plus, it's more football. How, how can anybody bitch about more football? Yeah. Tulane beat USC. So they came from behind. Yeah. And uh, USC. And what an exciting game. Yeah. USC would have been a playoff team. And yeah. Tulane knocked Tul- them out. Tulane would have been a playoff team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Tyler. I know you're chomping at the bit here. Why do you hate? The expansion to twelve. So I, I am not a huge proponent of any expansion. I, I, I think four was a really decent number. Um, I have yet to see the year that I'm like, man, I really think the ninth ranked team in the country deserves a shot at the national title. Um, that has not been something. If you wanted to argue six teams, okay, I could have been on board eight teams maybe. Um, okay, I probably would have been fine. I think 12 is too much. Um, Derek, you say, who doesn't like more football? I like the Bulls. I think one of the things that about college football that I grew up loving is the Bulls system. And people say, well, the Bulls don't matter anymore. The, no one, the people opt out, and no one cares about the Bulls. Well, I would say there's two things that go to that. One, one of the reasons people don't care about the Bulls as much anymore is because the playoff overshadows it. I think that an expanded playoff is just going to overshadow the Bulls even you're not going to get the USC Tulane game in a bowl game. You're not going to get the Alabama K State game because they're all going to be only playoff games. So it pretty much kills the Bulls. I think it, the 12 team playoff pretty much kills the Bulls system as is. Secondly, instead of people complaining about, well, the Bulls system is broken, but it, to me, it just feels like they're throwing it out instead of trying to fix the reason why these games don't matter. Like they don't matter as much anymore. Because the matchups aren't always the greatest, or because people are opting out. Like there are things you could do to make the Bulls mean something again. So instead of I, going towards an NFL light, like I wish college football would stay college football and 
have the Bulls actually mean something. I would argue that the Bulls started losing meaning when they started putting too many, having too many bowl games and started putting five and seven teams in it. Sure, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, that, that's fair. If you want to say we need to reduce a little bit of that, that's, I'm not going to argue. Cut back a few bowls. But I would argue some of the problem is like the, the, the lower tier bowls never really meant anything except for the teams there. I think there was an opportunity to increase the meaning of the middle bowls um, and have those be better games and more intriguing matchups. And especially with all this conference realignment, people jumping around, like get away from this automatic conference versus conference and start looking at more intriguing matchups. Um, I, I just, I, I I, I just think I, so, I, I Tyler, was, you, I, you can't say that if you want to be in a traditionalist like the Bulls as they were, but you still want to revamp them to make it more like meaningful and stuff. Well, that's what a playoff does, right? Having a playoff, you're it's still a uh, quote unquote bull game with something actually on the line. And I, I want to preface this: I think this is one of the more exciting bull seasons that we've had in recent history. Like, from top to bottom, I thought the bowl games were spectacular this year. There's a lot of great and fun games this year. And especially the the uh, the meaningful games for expansion. Who, I mean, we, we talked about Tulane, USC. Just imagine if that had other implications, like advancing to the next round of the playoffs. What that would do for a team like Tulane. But, but who cares if the game itself was a good game? Like, why, I guess... Why can't it just be a good game? And that's the way Tulane ends their season. I mean, like, I, I guess... You don't find any intrigue on what Tulane might be able to do on the next game? No, I have no intrigue. After have, winning that game? No, oh, man. I would have... I, I find a lot of intrigue in that. I, I think Tulane uh, would get ran off. One of, the, one of the other things I read, I believe it was on MSN, uh, said something along the lines of, you have to be a conference champion to get these bi- these buys and to be an automatic qualifier in the top four or whatever it is. Therefore, it eliminates any independent school from being able to get a buy. So Notre Dame is being getting their hand forced into joining a conference, if that is true, if that is absolutely true. To get a buy, they have to be part of a conference. Yeah, because they have to. To even be, to even be an automatic qualifier, they can't even be an automatic qualifier because you have to be a conference champion. So they can't even be in the top six. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I think they can get there if, if they're they have a season worthy of it. They're they're they'll be in it. Sure, they'll they'll be oh, in. The, they but, can get automatic. They could get in as being one of the top the top rated teams. But they have to be a conference champion in order to get the top six seeds. Yeah. Because the top six seeds are all your top six conference champions. Talk you guys out of it and say, man, you guys should hate this system. Here's my belief is that right now, when I look at college football and NFL, those two sports are really close to me. When I, when I think about sports I care about, like those are two. The difference to me is over in November. And I just don't think that's going to continue. I think this will make NFL probably overtake college football as my favorite sport. Or NBA might. I mean, I one just, of the two. I, 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 I hate that. I, I don't hate understand. That I don't understand I, I that at hate all. that argument. Why would you not care about October and November? Because the games you still don't want to be that top four team. Sure they do. 
You have to win your games. In Alabama, those, you want that. You want that buy. Okay, but I'll tell I you guarantee this, you, if you're you know in that playoff, like you this, want that buy. Alabama right now, would I'd be sitting there saying, man, they probably end up in the national championship. Even though they shit the bed all season, I'd be like, sit, man, Alabama's got a real shot at that. You know what I don't want to see is an Alabama-Georgia national title game. And I also think, You know what? If they went through 12 or three, four other teams to get there, I'm okay with it. I'm not okay with it the way it is now where we're only putting four teams in and we're going to put two of them SEC teams. But if you got to work your way through the playoff to get to to where they have to play each other, I'm fine with that. I say this year, man, we really shouldn't have seen Ohio State in either. But we could have that debate, and that's a fun debate to have. But at least it matters. Like I just don't know the sport. This year's hard, though, because this year – and it didn't work out this way, but really, this is the one year you could have went, okay, Michigan, Georgia, put them in a, put them in a national championship. Sure. Because TCU, I, I mean, and it's great that they won. I'm, I'm rooting for them, whatever. It was a fun game. After losing that championship game against Kansas State, they did not deserve to be in the playoff. Nope. And poor Michigan did everything they should have done all year long. And apparently those games mattered. But, no, they really didn't because they don't even get a shot at the national championship now because well, – they, they could have figured out how to play defense and not given up, what, like 51 points? And the refs could have probably not screwed them out of that touchdown. And it was a really weird game. And, yes, TC won. It was one of the best games I've seen. It was a blast to watch. But, I mean, there was a lot of pretty – And Ohio State should have won their game, too. Georgia shouldn't be in it. I, I, I mean, you're right. You can't, you can't fold at the end of the game the way they did. I, I just – I mean, there were some, there were some questionable calls, too. But whatever. I, I'm, I not just, here to, I'm not here to argue semantics about it, but – what I don't understand is if people love college football so much, like why is the drastic? Why don't? Why can't we just keep it the way it is? Like is college? Do you, I guess my thing is sport has been massively improved by playoff expansion. Because I'll tell you, NFL has it. FBS football, <laughs> baseball. That that one wild card buy-in. Yeah, I do. I, see, I I'm not a huge fan of it. I'll tell you what I didn't love with baseball. I didn't love two, four teams getting into the playoffs, the top two in the West and East of National League and American League. I didn't love that. So bring this back to football. FBS improved by going from the BCS system to a four-team playoff. That was an improvement over the way that they did. I agree. Uh, their championship before. And I think adding more teams to that adds know, more I, interesting I really matchups. And, and look, the B, the BCS was an improvement over what they did before that. I don't okay, know. That's, that's the, fine, but that kind of started the whole thing. I, I don't know if the four-team playoff is drastically better than the two-team playoff, than the BCS championship. But the problem is, is that we're not talking about getting the, the problem with the two teams is that third team, you're like, and there's like a three team debate and who's actually the best. I think the four team team solved that. Like, there's very rarely I'm sitting there saying, man, that seventh team in the country isn't getting a shot at the national championship because that seventh team it, usually well, has I think two it, losses. I, I think what it does is it kind of helps out with uh, this this bias that the SEC is so friggin' great that everybody just needs to bow down to the SEC. Make them play some teams. Hell, in, in in this scenario, make them come up north and play a game. 
If, if they're an 11 seed, let them come play the, the six seed team up north. I, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I, it. I love the fact that some playoff games will be held on campuses. Sure. I think that will be that will be awesome. That will be a lot of fun for me. And again, the, 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 I will fun say, to watch. Sure, but the rest of the Bulls, you just might as well cut them. You might as well just cut every other bull. Why? You don't have to cut them. fundamentally will not matter. And they'll be they shitty don't matter matchups. now, I still watch but them. But they'll be shitty matchups. You aren't going to have a top 10 team. You aren't going to have two top 10 teams play. So? They'll be, know, those guys be will play- be playing <laughs> in the playoff. For where it matters. Dude, I watched East Carolina play. I, just don't I don't want to hear shit. I, I just honestly just don't want you guys to watch college football. Like, leave my sport alone. Go fucking watch <laughs> the NFL. Because that's what you want. You want the NFL. Just don't watch college football anymore. If you don't like I, the sport, I, just stop it. I love the sport. My sport. I, want him to, I, want, I want him to be the same as everybody else. Every. No, I want I want. I want to. I want it to be at least the same as FCS. Go watch FCS football then. Leave my sport alone. It's your sport now. Well, because you guys want to change it. Hey, I'm fine with it. It's it's being changed. It is being changed whether we want it or not. It's happening. Money. It's Tyler. because of money. Tyler, get off my lawn, would you? God, yeah. Damn. It's just like I, I tire of people saying, I love football. I want it so much different. Oh, do what the NFL's doing. Hey, you know what? I will never say I, no to more meaningful matchups. Have so those what? Games. That's fine. I love bowl games. I thought this year was an excellent year for the bowl games. And I'm, I'll watch the bowl games that happen before Christmas. I will watch every minute of those. I love the games. I'll be fine if you want to go to, I don't know, what, 65? I, I think... That's what Bowl games, just let everybody play in them. Yeah, I don't care. I honestly, you give know, everybody, I give everybody a participation pro trophy. I don't I, care. I honestly think I'll that, watch every one of them. I think they should just get rid of the regular season and just have one giant playoff to begin the year. <laughs> just have a 128 team playoff, and yeah, that's all we Washington. need is one one game Nebraska seasons. That's all we need. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's that's the next expansion. Well, you got to make a you got to make a double elimination at that point, I, at least, right? A double elimination. I, I like that, Gary. That's that's. That's the next expansion they need to go with. All right, so All right. Tyler, you're pretty fired up here, so we'll, we'll get out here uh, in a second. Uh, the national championship game is next Monday night. Number three TCU versus uh, number one Georgia. Georgia's a twelve and a half point favorite here in this game. I think it's coming down a little bit. Uh, who do you like in this game, and why? Um. I, I mean, I, I want TCU to win. I am a huge Max Dugan fan. I think he is underrated as a future NFL prospect. I, I love watching him play um, the, the games I've watched. But Georgia, I am fairly – I've already bet my money on it. Georgia is going to steamroll TCU. You I mean, think so? You bet Georgia already? Oh, yeah. What, I mean, what line I, did you get? I got a 13.5, and, and now that it's dropping, I might go double down on it. I, I mean – We saw some really, really crappy red zone moments for Michigan, and we saw two pick sixes for TCU. Like, yes, if Georgia throws three pick sixes and they fumble on the one-yard line, then yes, I think TCU could be in this game. But if those events don't occur in TCU's favor, and TCU's probably out there starting running back, I I just don't think – I I just – I think this is going to be a – probably an night 
Um, I, I did bet the over too, though. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I think what's, Georgia. What's might the over up, under? I got it. I think sixty two. I mean, okay. Georgia might put up forty nine. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think TCU is good for at least seventeen. Tyler, what kind of bourbon are you drinking tonight, anyway? Uh, Woodford. Woodford. Hey, I, uh, my wife got me a bottle of Colonel E. H. Taylor. Sounds for, good. Uh, it is absolutely phenomenal. Any whiskey that has a gun or on it is a damn good whiskey. Like a hundred fifty dollar bottle. Okay, I, I just want to say as I get this off my off my tongue here, because Tyler, don't talk about the NFL when you're talking about college football. God damn it! When you're talking about Max Dugan. Don't be talking about the NFL. We just had this argument about how we're not trying to make college football into NFL. Don't be talking. I don't care. Don't be talking about the NFL when you're talking about college football. <laughs> Good God. I, it's like the divisions. I, I hear this shit all the time. Like, you know what I really want is to see, like, the Big Ten going to, like, four 14 pods, exactly like NFL divisions are set up. It's like, yes, let's do the exact same thing as the NFL. It's not because it's what the NFL's doing. The reason I like that is because then teams can play all the Big Ten teams in a matter of four years, yeah. rather than playing Indiana it, once every six years, it, it, it'll be great. And playing Michigan six years in a row. You know what? I'll tell you this much: just just go call Roger Goodell and get the NFL scheduling because they've already got this blueprint laid out. So and there's you a really good any, sport on Sunday that you don't have exactly any intrigue. That. You don't have any intrigue in Nebraska playing other teams other than Michigan and Ohio State from the hey, other division. You know, Better yet, maybe we can get Roger Goodell when uh, all the fans boycott Roger Goodell for not stopping that game immediately <laughs> so he can become the commissioner when Kevin Warren goes to become the president at the Chicago Bears. Well, you got to have that blueprint. <laughs> Derek, who do you like? I don't like either one, but I, George is going to win. Oh, I, I thought you I thought you were going to say Kevin Warren or <laughs> <laughs> Roger Goodell. It's like, I don't like either one. No, I'm like talking about the game. Either. That's true. <laughs> Do we have another game? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm with you, Tyler. TCU got extremely lucky in that game. Uh, Michigan did not play good ball. You just don't – unless you're coming up with a couple pick sixes and finding a way to score defensively, I just don't see a way for TCU to beat Georgia. I, I'll root for them. I hope they win, but I don't see it. Do you think they cover? I, I think they have a good chance of covering, but yeah. just because Tyler bet them. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I think they cover. Uh, twelve and a half. That's about as I don't know. Twelve and a half is kind of like that iffy thing. I, I didn't realize it dropped down to twelve and a half. I thought it was like still like thirteen and a half, but. We'll see what it is when it gets there. I, that line's got to go back up, right? I would think. I think a lot of people. Are, I think a lot of people want to see TCU win. I think they're a really fun Cinderella story. So I don't. I don't know what. What, what I will say in TCU uh, favor though is where Ohio State took advantage of them is dynamic wide receiver, and TCU's got that. They got the quarterback and wide receiver duo that really gave Georgia fits. I, I, again, I think TCU could score points. I just think they have zero shot of stopping. Like, I just think it's going to be bad, uh, their defense trying to do anything. Really? And also, I also love the whole 
we give this the whole three three five of TCU. Oh, that was so funny. Everyone's like, Her- look at the what a three three five could do against Michigan. Five hundred yards later, I'm like, wait, I'm not saying three three five won't work in the Big Ten, but don't use that as your litmus test of why but it's going to work. That all came out after like the first quarter, and Michigan could not move the ball on them. Well, except the seventy five made some run. adjustments. Yeah, except for that one long run they had. Hey, so I'm looking it up right now. TCU, Georgia, 80 for, 84% of the tickets are on TCU right now. I, I think the public sentiment, they want to see TCU. Where are they playing the game? What, is it in New Orleans? Is that it, right? Wherever the SoFi re, uh, arena is or field is because they won't allow tailgating there. Oh, that's probably not New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing I, I i don't know i think I, i'm not sure either i, I was thinking it was new orleans but i could be wrong shit who, who do you got justin you know i mean i i have georgia winning it but i i have tcu covering oh, yeah. it's in california it's one of the nfl stadiums oh, so just that, that explains moving, a lot in the nfl so we're getting rid of tailgating it, it's more don't worry guys well you're, you're dream is safe it, it's california they don't allow anything Oh, with the transfer portal, I mean, it's get free agency. I mean, NIL players are getting paid. Tyler, this must be all eating you up inside. It's the NFL D League. That's what they're going to rename it. D League or G League? <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, any parting shots here? Just hope everybody has a good New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, When are we coming back on? I I don't think that we'll be back until recruiting. uh, First weekend of February. Unless something major happens. I I don't don't foresee anything happening between now and then, but. Yeah. Well, look. We'll plan on then and. If uh, something happens, we might put an emergency episode out. Yeah, well, get get ready for spring ball. I'm excited. This is going to be one of the more exciting springs we've had in a while. Lots of changes. So, yeah. What percentage chance do you give the spring game of selling out? Saying there's a chance. There's a chance. About eighty percent chance. Ninety percent. It's going to sell out. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait. Uh, all right. Well, special thanks to our producer Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Look for uh, look for our podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Mm-hmm.